Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hi there, and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short, and I'm joined here, as always, by Drew Silva. This is our latest position preview episode for the 2021 season. We've covered all the infield positions and outfielders so far, so you can go back in our archives and check those out. You can also search Circling the Bases on YouTube if you're watching these. Uh, but today, we're moving on to the catcher position. Woohoo! <laughs> 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 we are so excited. But before we get into that, just a quick reminder, the NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball magazine is available in stores now. We also have our online guide, which will give you everything you need to get ready for your draft. It's being constantly updated throughout spring training uh, to get you prepared for your drafts, whether it's in early March or late March, just really everything you need. Tons of good stuff on the way as well, regardless of which format you play. So you can go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash MLB Draft Guide to get started there. So, Drew, catchers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the redheaded stepchild of our fantasy rosters. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, you know, they, it's a, they get too much disrespect. Uh, I, there's actually some interesting catchers this year. I'm not – I don't feel like there's no hope at the position. But I also feel like if you play in like a deep league – like, it's nice to have a good catcher, but it's hardly the end of the world. Like, if you have a league that has, like, five outfielders, multiple utility spots, like, you're talking about one spot, a catcher. So, sometimes we put too much thought into it. Yeah, I would say it's not as shallow as in some previous years. There's good young players that have emerged at the position, and some others have sort of reemerged, but for the most part, the, the offensive profiles here are only intriguing in the context of this set of rankings, like not as intriguing when you put them up against any other position, which is an obvious point. Um, you know you have to grab one eventually or maybe two if you're doing the two-catcher thing. This year I'm probably mostly settling for a later option in my real like standard read draft leagues, but we'll kind of talk through it as we go. Yeah, I mean, unless you're getting like an elite option at the top, like I, I think you you you'll do fine waiting. There's enough upside late, yeah. or at least respectable numbers late that you don't have to go out of your way. And this you is uh, a revolutionary thinking. Uh, you can also stream catchers in, in like a twelve team league, one catcher league. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll read my top twelve and, and we'll take it from there. I have JT Romuto, number one, not a surprise. Uh two Salvador Perez. Three, Will Smith. Four, Wilson Contreras. Five, Travis Darno. Six, Yasmani Grandal. Seven, Christian Vasquez. Uh, eight, Sean Murphy. 
9 Gary Sanchez, 10 James McCann, 11 Mitch Garver, and 12 Austin Nola. We basically have the same top 12, just in a little different spots towards the middle and bottom. Um, okay. Yeah, let's start at the top. Let's We can make this a brisk episode. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> um, yeah, Real Muto, I, I guess this might be sort of a tentative ranking as he recovers from that small fracture in his right thumb. Uh, suffered that injury six days before the official report date for pitchers and catchers in Philly's camp while catching a Jose Alvarado bullpen session and, and trying to, to block a ball in the dirt. And Alvarado does has, have nasty stuff, and it was probably the first time that Real Muto had caught him, so I could see maybe how that happened. But he's continued to work out and actually caught some bullpen sessions this week. It's the final week of February. Um, so, you know, it's it's not his glove hand, so he's been flipping balls to someone else who, who makes the return throws. The fact that he hasn't been fully shut down, you know, if there's ever a good time for a spring training injury, it's probably before spring training even officially starts. I think it seems like he might be fine for opening day. Um, had a career-high 840 OPS during the short year. 162 game pace of 38 homers and 111 RBIs. No catchers are going to play 162 games, but just to show the level of offensive upside that he carries over most of the other options at the position, batting average should be a little better than the 266 batting average he posted last season um, and seems to be locked in as the cleanup man in Philly behind Andrew McCutcheon, Alec Bohm, Bryce Harper. That's a lot of on base ability. If he's healthy, he'll be the top catcher, no doubt. Entering his age 30 season, fresh off re-signing for five years, $115.5 million. He's, I think he's pretty head and shoulders above everyone else as long as the thumb's okay. So with Real Muto, hit 11 homers last year. Actually, eight of them came in his first 14 games where he was like looking like an early MVP candidate. Uh, so while he faded from there, you know, it doesn't really change his status as the, the top fantasy catcher. He's been that way for what, the last three years, yeah. I'd say, if I had to guess. Uh, just very consistent in terms of power at this point. And originally, we weren't really sure how much power he'd show, but you know, he certainly arrived as being a consistent uh, source of power there and remains in a, in a hitter-friendly ballpark there, at least for homers, uh, in Philadelphia. And you know, we always talk about the speed. You know, Getting that from the catcher position is, is a huge bonus and is a big reason you know, why he's number one. It's a, it's a separator for him. Four steals last year, but, you know, he's had double-digit steals before. You know, I'd probably set my expectations somewhere in that 10 range, something like that. So not much debate about Real Muto. It gets interesting after that, obviously. Yes, I had Will Smith number two, and I totally get why you don't. Um, he, he's got everything you'd want from an individual, like, player profile perspective, especially at this position where it's shallow and there are a lot of question marks. Um, through his first 91 major league games and 937 OPS and 23 home runs, tons of red across his stat cast page, red being a good thing in this instance, 88th percentile and hard hit percentage, 95th percentile and an expected weighted on base average, 90th percentile and expected slug, uh, whiff rate and walk rate, both close to elite, uh, both improved from his rookie year in 2019, but the big hole to poke here is that the Dodgers seem to view Smith and Austin Barnes in kind of a 1A, 1B situation behind the plate. They've come out and said that already this year in camp, even though Barnes isn't in the same stratosphere as Smith when it comes to offensive production. I guess my hope would be that the Padres 
being good already and suddenly getting a whole lot better this winter will sort of force the Dodgers hand to, to play their most effective catcher on most days, but that's kind of just a hope. Yeah. I mean, and the other thing you could say is like, maybe Smith will put up enough in like 120 games to be worth what another or more, more valuable than what a catcher would be catching 140 games. You know what I mean? Like he's still going to do enough uh, in that window, but maybe you could say you need a second catcher if you're going to take Will Smith or or you don't need it. I don't know. Like he's going to produce, just fine but he's just not going to be in there every day and maybe that's annoying i don't i don't really know but when he's in there he's going to be elite yeah i mean i i like the idea of tandem catchers but it depends on what your league are you going to really waste a roster spot on another catcher (laughs) yeah and like i was saying smith's going to do enough like he's probably going to hit more homers than most catchers over a full 162 so on the days he's not in the lineup maybe you just take the zero i don't know I just kind of hope that they realize it's time to, to let him loose. We'll see. I don't, I don't, I don't know. They have the luxury kind of to play for October basically. Yeah. yeah. So I have Salvi Perez at, at two and you know, he's interesting, you know, missed the entire 2019 season following Tommy, John, Tommy John surgery came back with a vengeance last year, actually missed some time with an eye issue, but Still hit 333, 11 homers, 32 RBIs over 37 games, career best 986 OPS. I mean, that's great. That's awesome. But the plate discipline, you know, it is what it is. Like, he's flawed as a hitter, super aggressive. Just three walks and 156 plate appearances last year. The strikeout rate was 23.1%. Got a bit fortunate with the 375 Babbitt. I'm saying a lot of negative things for my number two catcher, but he's a consistent power source. 21 homers every year from 2015 to 2018. No reason to expect that to go down. I don't think he's a 300 hitter, but you know, 275, sure. With 20 plus homers, 80 RBIs probably in that Royals lineup. Like I think he'll be fine. And I think he's one of the few catchers who's just like a set it and forget it guy. You put him in there, you're not going to have to worry about him. Yeah, I haven't saved all of my – I had him at three, I, and I haven't saved all of my positional rankings over the years, so I can't say for certain, but this might be the highest I've ever ranked Perez. Yeah, me too. Um, I guess you could call it an overreaction to, to the small sample from 2020, but he has been building this power profile you know, before the Tommy John surgery. Like you mentioned, like it, what, hit 27 home runs two years in a row before going down with Tommy John. 537 expected slugging percentage in 2017 – ranked in the 98th percentile of expected slugging in 2020 after a full year off, which could a full year off be good for a catcher who yeah. he, he arrived in the majors at age 21. That's a lot of mileage. And he's, yeah. He's caught him. a ton of games every yeah. year. He rarely yeah. takes a, a day off. So. And yeah, that's a, I mean, I, I played catcher from middle school till I got cut from varsity, you know, like it, it it's hell and my knees still hurt. Um, and I like this Royals lineup more than any Royals lineup since like their days of contending the 2015 World Series. You know, they have pitching problems, but the top seven in their lineup are all fantasy relevant, some a little bit more borderline than others. Um, I, yeah, I don't believe that his overall batting line and counting stats pace from last year was entirely real, but anything close would be amazing. So Wilson Contreras, I have it for another one of those like set it and forget it guys. I guess he regressed a little bit last year after he rebounded in 2019, but 
you know, still for a catcher, solid numbers across the board, counting stats wise, seven homers, 26 RBIs, 37 runs scored over 57 games, tons of volume there as, as the catcher, uh, starting catcher with the Cubs, Victor Caratini sent to the Padres. I think Gutierrez is going to just going to play a ton. Hits the ball plenty hard. His hard hit rate was in the 88th percentile last year. Barrel percentage has always been very good. Simply one of the better options at the catcher position. I guess the one thing to watch is the contact rate. It's trended down in recent years. So the batting average isn't going to be super high. Uh, But counting stat ability as far as run production will be there. Uh, Contreras, two years of team control remaining. I think maybe we heard a little bit during the offseason about the Cubs listening. They don't necessarily have to trade him right now, but you do wonder at some point if that you know could be a possibility. Maybe not this year, but maybe it will be. We'll see. Yeah, if he gets off to a hot start this year, I could see his value going up. Not not the the best two thousand showing in two thousand twenty, but he was great in two thousand nineteen, a, a much larger sample. And the metrics, like you mentioned, from two thousand twenty, they look fine. 28 years old going on 29 in May. I think there's actually quite a bit of upside here on paper. We've said this with a few Cubs by now that that as of this moment, they haven't done the full teardown, at least not with their offense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 24 home runs, 888, 888 OPS in 105 games in, in 2019. There's a path to some pretty good production here. So what I, did you have Travis Darno? Ooh, eight. See, I love Travis Darno this year. Just coming off what he did last year, I have him fifth. Uh, of course, he really turned his career around uh, during his time with the Rays, got that two-year $16 million contract, and just went off with the Braves last year, looked better than ever, hit 321 with nine homers and 34 RBIs, had a 919 OPS over 44 games, had that huge NLDS against the Marlins as well, looked like the best yeah. hitter in the Braves lineup during that series, and the metrics really backed up what he did last year. His his hard hit percentage was the second highest in the majors among players with at least 100 batted ball events. Only Fernando Tatis Jr. was higher, which is like pretty shocking. 98th percentile in average exit velocity. XBA backed him up at 304 as well. So you can't poke holes in what he did last year. I think the thing that you can poke holes in is the injury history with Darno, And sort of like... A shortened season, 50 games last year, that's perfect for Darno because you can't count on him to stay healthy for a one full 162. <laughs> yeah. he's, just, he's not going to be that guy. So I think there are real questions about the durability over a full season. So I'm a little worried about that, but I love the Braves lineup. What he did last year, you can't fake that as far as the co- hard contact that he made. So I think he's arrived as like a top fantasy catcher, but with a little more questions than some of the guys ahead of him. Yeah, I'm just, I'm trying not to overreact to 2020 numbers. Um, he had a 246 career batting average and 1860 major league plate appearances before hitting 321 last year. So I'm going to go ahead and say that that's not sustainable a 321 average. And I think the home run upside is probably low 20s, which is fine for a catcher. And Braves manager Brian Snitker does like to bat him third and fourth. And sure. we've talked about the top of that lineup is awesome. So. Yeah, I'm tempted here. I just I'm trying to to be reasonable that what we saw last season. He's shown flashes here and there. Was a top prospect at one point, as you well know. Um, and the health being good in Tampa Bay in 2019 is encouraging. Um, and maybe just spending time in that Rays organization, they they seem to unlock something in all types of players. 
Well, he uh, came back from the Tommy John surgery and he's kind of been a different hitter yeah. since then. So maybe that was just like something that had bothered him for a long time. Like who really knows? Uh, but I do think he's found, you know, it, sort of what his uh, pedigree was supposed to be. Like we thought he was going to be this fantasy relevant catcher for a long time. Yeah. Just hadn't really put it together consistently. This could be his time, but I, I do worry about him catching maybe 120, 130 games. I think it could take its toll. I had Yasmani Grandal fifth. Um, his first year with the White Sox was somewhat of a disappointment. His OPS fell from 848 in 2019 to 773 in 2020. But he finished on a 162-game a pace, which is stupid to cite for catchers, but 29 homers and 96 RBIs, which would have both been career highs. Again, no catcher in this modern era of Major League Baseball is ever going to play 162 games, but you kind of get the point that the power was still there. And if the season had stretched on longer than 60 games, I think the rate stats likely would have improved. Um, he ranked in 75th percentile among all MLB hitters and hard hit percentage, 76th percentile on average exit velocity. He was 92nd percentile in walk rate. I think he's a really smart player. You see that with the framing metrics, um, his defense no longer has to battle for playing time with, with James McCann, who went out and, and got a four-year, $40 million deal from the Mets and free agency. Grandel's backup you know, on the south side of Chicago, as it stands right now, would be Zach Collins, who is a career 167 hitter. Um, the counting stats upside look really promising for Grandel, surrounded by Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Yohan Mancata, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Nick Madrigal, Adam Eaton, possibly Andrew Vaughn. He might make the opening day roster or be up pretty soon. Um, I think Grandel's coming at a bit of a discount. I, I kind of like him at, at, as my fifth catcher. So the strikeout rate was up a little bit last year, career high 29.9%. Uh, contact rate was a career low. But again, it was a small sample. You're not banking on him for batting average anyway. You're going to get the power. You're going to get the on-base ability in, in a really good lineup. So I, I think I put him sixth, but I think at this point after six, there's a drop off here at the catcher position, well, at least yeah. as far as just like could go in any number of directions. Yeah. There's just red flags everywhere. I had Gary Sanchez sixth and I, I don't feel great about it, um, but the Yankees have made a commitment to him. They could have gotten away with non tendering him. I don't think their fan base would have been that upset. I would have been surprised if they had done that. Um, but man, he's got the best raw power at the position and potentially one of the better offenses in the league if his health holds up or if all of their health collectively holds up. Uh, might get some time at DH if Stanton gets hurt, which if it's probably when. Um, Sanchez is never going to be a good defensive catcher, but he's 28 years old with, I think, a potential long-term future at DH, especially with that rule likely expanding to the NL in the near future. Uh, we're talking about 2021 here, though. And through all the struggles last year, 89th percentile among all MLB hitters in exit velocity. He's been in that range or better for much of his career. 97th in barrel percentage last year. Uh, it's a small sample. I, barrel percentage works better over a larger sample, of course. Uh, but I think he can actually be better than what he's been, and he's been pretty good at times. He just probably shouldn't play catcher anymore. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he slides into that DH role whenever Stain goes down this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if he signs with an NL team next year um, and becomes like a, just a long-term everyday DH at age 29. 
So Sanchez has a 200 batting average over his last 244 games. Um, His strikeout rate soared to 36% last year. And given that he's not a strong defensive catcher, like you wonder how long the leash might be if the contact issues continue. That's there's no question. Like when he makes contact, he just hits bombs and rockets. That's what Gary Sanchez does. But I do worry that this is like at this point, uh, you know, it's a trend. It's a sustained yeah, thing. I agree. <laughs> and it's certainly like power upside. There's nobody better. I think you already said that at the catcher position and Gary Sanchez raw power. He's number one, but I do, I do have some real concerns at this point. I think the concerns are justified. Um, I had Sean Murphy at number seven. Where did you have him? I had Sean Murphy eight and I had Christian Vasquez at seven. So, so yeah, I mean, Murphy suffered a, a collapse long before camp and, and needed two surgeries. Like one, they inserted a tube. The other one was like to repair it some wall of his lung. I mean, the prognosis actually sounds much better than like what I just said. Um, he's in camp now. wasn't even a week late and it, it sounds like he'll be ready for opening day. It's maybe too early to make that call. There is some uncertainty. So, you know, keep it locked on the NBC sports edge player news page for any updates. He's been really good in limited major league acts action so far. And remember he had that knee injury in early 2019 that delayed his arrival for a couple of months. Um, strong numbers in the upper minors, great batted ball data in the majors so far. Part of a pretty good A's lineup. I, I feel like looking at the A's lineup as we've been doing research for this, I don't know if it actually is that good. Um, but he's going to be a big part of it. Could get a very favorable spot in it. And I think if if that lung is okay, if his health cooperates, he should play a lot, which is a factor at the catcher position that we've been talking about. But Saying if his health cooperates, he should play a lot is like famous last words in fantasy sports in general. Right. 11 homers and an 846 OPS through 200 plate appearances in the majors so far. So that's that's really promising. He's one of those guys that, you know, if things work out for him, obviously his health is the most important thing. But, you know, if he's on the field this year, he's someone who can make a huge leap. I think he's certainly capable of doing that. But for now, we'll just have to kind of wait and see. And I think by the time... Most of you guys will draft in in March. You know, we'll have a better idea of, of, you know, how things are going for him. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I had Mitch Garver ninth. Um, 
you know, the fifth catcher off the board last year. So is it like that fair to knock him down to ninth after 23 games, 81 plate appearances during a pandemic affected season in which he sat out four weeks with an intercostal strain. Yeah, I think you have to just throw it out. Mostly. Yeah. He put up 31 home runs in 93 games in, in 2019 with a 995 OPS, just insane numbers. And he did you know, hit the ball hard last year when he was at the plate, which wasn't often. Um, but an issue here is that he might have got like kind of Wally pipped during that that lost year by another guy who's on my rankings, but more toward the bottom of the top 25. That's Ryan Jeffers. Yeah, I have Jeffers, I think, uh, 25th. I have him 25th as well. Um, yeah, second round pick in 2018, big college career at UNC Wilmington, fast riser for a college catcher, 23 years old. You can't completely give up on Garver. That's why I have him within my top 10 after what he did in 2019 with the metrics to back it up. Um, we were talking about maybe tandeming catchers. Maybe you tandem Garver and Jeffers in a deeper format that allows daily lineup changes. Yeah. But again, then you're losing or you're using two spots on the catcher position, which probably isn't advisable. Right. So Garver, when he did have that 31 homer season, that was just 359 plate appearances. He was sharing playing time then. So he's he's capable of making an impact, even as not like a everyday kind of guy. So to me, I throw out a lot of it. I still put Garver 11 because I think there are some questions about the about the playing time if he yeah. does come out and he struggles you know, at the start of this season, I put Christian Vasquez seventh just because he did kind of back up what he did in 2019. It was kind of, he did it a little differently though, like kind of like baseball card kind of numbers are the same. I mean, he hit 283 uh, with seven homers and 23 RBIs over 47 games, uh, 114 OPS uh, plus compared to 103 OPS plus in 2019. Uh, patience was better than ever before. Uh, you know, saw the strikeout rate increase a little bit, had a 341 BABIP. And that's where my questions come in. You know, XBA was at 224. So, you know, who is he really, I guess, is the question here. I think we were expecting last season he would regress. It didn't quite happen, but some of that was just like small sample noise with that BABIP. Maybe that's going to go down. But I do like the situation. I like the lineup. I like the home ballpark. I think that might help him a little bit to not completely collapse. I don't think he's a zero, but I, I think, you know, he deserves to be a top 12 catcher, but there are more questions with him than a lot of these other guys. Yeah, I had him at 11th. Um, the batted ball data doesn't scream elite offense, but he's improved there and he's carried over some of what he did during his breakout 2019. I, you know, he's going to be behind the plate most days for the Red Sox with the difference he makes defensively just overall. So he's not the worst guy to end up with as your starter in a 12-team standard league. You know you're going to get at-bats, and you're going to get fine production if you just want to wait the position out. I think he's a fine dude to, to, to wind up with. Um, it's odd looking back that he signed for what he did in 2018. Three years, $13.5 million. Uh, with a $7 million option for 2022. That was coming off a bad year, and now he's like kind of rounded in to one of the you know, better or most most reliable, at least, overall catchers in the game when you factor in the defense. Yeah, he could have gotten a James McCann deal. Sure, yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I think he, he would have done really well for himself coming off these last two seasons had he hit free agency now, but he, he sold his arbitration years and, and I think a year 
of free agency plus that option. So where did you have McCann, by the way? I had him 10th. Okay, me too. Yeah. I, I think it's, I mean, he's sort of evolved as a hitter. Uh, you look at the yeah. last two years, 149 games of that time in that time, hitting 276, 25 homers, 75 RBIs. That's really, really good. And I think there's something behind this that is legitimate. He's actually made change, changes with his batting stance and his pre-swing setup. Um, and so I think there's something here. You know, I, I think uh, maybe you worry about him over a full season, maybe being a little bit overexposed, maybe being fatigued. He wasn't necessarily like a regular full-time everyday guy, which is what the Mets will count on him as being. Tomas Nito is the backup. I don't think you want Nito playing a ton. Uh, so we'll see how that falls. But like during this time, McCann's had increases in average exit velocity, hard hit percentage. I really like that Mets lineup. It's deep. It's good. So I think he's going to do fine. I, I don't think you're expecting elite numbers, but maybe he'll surprise you. Yeah, I mean, he's made improvements. Like I think tangible improvements. It, it, we're talking about small samples size, like 111 plate appearances last year, but he was great. And he built off a really good offensive year in 2019. And I think that makes you feel better, DJ, about the Mets handing him that four-year, $40 million deal. I don't know that everybody loved that contract. It was more about the length than the dollars. Yeah. Um, but I think it could be perfectly fine. It, you, you mentioned combining the number of the last two seasons, 25 homers, 808 OPS, uh, 276 average in 149 games. He's above average defensively and if if what he did last year as far as framing, which it's such a small sample, it's probably stupid to look at, but I mean, he was one of the better framers in the game over a short sample. So if he can carry that over with that Mets pitching staff, I think overall it's going to be a really good deal for the Mets. And I think they're going to try to play him a lot. Um, and we just, we haven't seen how he'll hold up and I guess we'll find out. I didn't really know a lot about James McCann. Like, you know, I followed his career, but I never yeah. really heard him talk very much you know, during his career, but since joining the Mets, like I've, you know, heard interviews and, and stuff and he's like super intelligent uh, about the game and working with pitchers and, you know, analyzing stuff. And I've been really, really impressed. He seems like a kind of person that will look for ways to improve. So for, for me, I I'm buying in on the offensive improvements. Yeah. IQ is underrated, man. When you yeah. analyze players, yeah. Um, so I had Jorge Alfaro 12 and Austin Nola 13. You had Nola 12, I believe. Yeah, Nola 12th, and I had Alfaro 13th. So. Wow. All right. I'll start <laughs> with Alfaro. I, I just, I still believe that there is something here. I wouldn't want to count on him as like my number one and only option on, on a fantasy roster, but the exit velocity, the sprint speed, he was top 10 percent in the league in sprint speed like not just for catchers for all That's players and you wouldn't think that by looking at him but he's, he's sneaky fast and that was in 2019 so that's a big sample um yeah. and we talked about players who contracted COVID 19 showing fatigue it, you look at the data he dropped to 79th percentile in sprint speed last year after testing positive just before opening day didn't make his 2020 season debut until august 21 Never got it going offensively. Um, but Marlins manager Don Mattingly has spoken highly of his physical physical conditioning league into camp this spring, which is a, a spring training cliche, but when a guy had COVID and, and played it as poorly as Alfaro did, I think it's relevant. 
Um, he's the 25th catcher off the board in the average Yahoo draft Crazy. right now. But you know, ADPs are are all over the place in this range of catcher. Just you know, it's people throwing darts. You go on a catcher run, like you know, your league goes on a catcher run, and you don't want to be left without a good one. So you decide to take your next turn and make it a catcher. Um, that's just kind of how this works. Relievers are are sort of similar, where the ADPs are all over the place. You don't want to to lose out on the parade of closers or the parade of catchers, especially in this range. Yeah, I could see Alfaro hitting twenty plus homers. You know, stealing like eight bases. Yeah, like, being super useful as far as that's concerned. Austin Nola is kind of this guy who's sort of, you know, late bloomer for sure, but. 127 games in the majors has 17 homers hitting 271 with an 808 OPS. I don't want to make too much out of the small sample with the Padres after that trade last year, but he really didn't do much of anything, but I love that Padres lineup obviously. And even if Nola's hitting near the bottom, he's still going to get chances to, to drive in runs, you know, saw improvement with his contact rate last year on the whole, uh, you know, he should play. I don't know if he's going to play, 130 games he won't catch you darvish i guess yeah caratini Caratini, uh, will be there at some times yeah uh but i still think nola's gonna play quite a bit yeah and you know as part of that lineup and what he's shown so far in the majors like you know he's proven it uh so i think he needs to be you know kind of in that same range top 12 i think he'd be happy if you waited and got a piece of that padres lineup yeah he's 31 years old so definitely a late bloomer but he wouldn't be the first late bloomer at the catcher position and francisco mejia is gone he's my number 15 catcher actually as he moves to tampa bay which might be a bit aggressive um i had yadier molina at 14th if you could pick one catcher to lead all mlb catchers in playing time i think it'd be molina even at age 38 going on 39 um Back with the Cardinals on a one-year, $9 million deal uh, could very well be the final year of his now 18-year, probably Hall of Fame career. The power ceiling, I, I would put it like 15 home runs, and, and that you know that might be high, but he'll hit a lot of singles driving runs behind Edmund Goldschmidt, Arenado, Carlson, DeYoung. We'll see exactly how that lineup goes. Yachty batted fifth down the stretch and into the postseason last year. I'm pretty sure he actually sets the Cardinals lineup, not Mike Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a safe floor here in some ways. I, I don't think he's an ideal starter at all in a 12-team format, but if you're going into 15-team leagues, I could see being okay with having him just because he's going to play a lot and you know drive in some runs. Before we continue, just a quick note that if you want to get our online draft guide or any of our premium products, here is a special offer. You can use our promo code, BASES10, for 10% off any premium subscription for NBC Sports Edge Plus can be either monthly or annual or and for any tier. And not only do you get access to our draft guide, but you also get season tools for the NBA and NHL, which are in season right now. So it's a great value and can help you if you just play baseball or if you have your hand in all sports. So remember, it's promo code BASES10, and you can go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash MLB Draft Guide to get started. So you're just mentioning Molina here, and I, I kind of have him in the same area as Buster Posey and Wilson Ramos, kind of guys that I think will play quite a bit, not going to really be standouts necessarily, but kind of reliable old veterans. And with Posey, you know, we were talking about is a year off like beneficial for a catcher. 
you know, with Salvador, Salvador Perez. Yeah. What about Posey, you know, opting out of the 2020 season, uh, had the newly adopted twin baby girls, you know, health concerns there. Uh, so ended up op- opting out of the shortened season. I think a year off could be really good for, for his body, for somebody who's taken a, a beating behind the plate for so long. And we, we like the Giants lineup, you know, I think a lot better to at least a little better. And you're right. If we're going to go with that narrative that a year off is good for a catcher, I'm into it. 12 home runs over his last 219 games, but Oracle Park is playing a lot more homer friendly. I I think maybe there's an okay floor there. I don't see the ceiling being super high. Yeah, me neither. And you're right about Ramos too. I had him 22nd, but he's going to play a lot, you know, and there could be something left in the tank, at least from an offensive perspective. Um. Francisco Mejia, who I had at 15th, I think that's probably aggressive, but I pay close attention when the Rays want somebody, and they they probably could have gone with another prospect instead of Mejia as part of that return for Blake Snell. It's been a struggle so far. like His numbers are not good, but the upper minor league numbers are still super intriguing, and he's only 25 years old. So I'd be careful to, to label him a bust just yet. Maybe he goes to, to Tampa Bay and unlocks something. It's probably going to be a timeshare with Meg Zanino. Um, but does Mejia maybe get some work at DH? He's a switch hitter, I think, which helps the cause to get into that dynamic, you know, always changing raise lineup. If he gets off to a good start, I think there'll be a path there for him to get some playing time. So I think the Diamondbacks catcher situation is pretty fascinating. Carson Kelly had a really disappointing year last year and, that was after 2019, 18 homers, 826 yeah. OPS, and you know, really good defensively as well. And then fell apart last year, pretty terrible between uh, July and August. Uh, before September, he was a little bit better, four homers, 12 RBIs. Uh, but on the whole, like didn't hit the ball nearly as hard, wasn't nearly as patient as he was in 2019. So kind of the question is like, who's the real Carson Kelly? I'm inclined to think 2019 is. But there's also the threat of Dalton Varsho, um, who's versatile enough that you know he could play the outfield too. But if Kelly struggles out of the gate, we could see some more Varsho behind the plate. So I, you know, I don't know which way this is going to go, but I wouldn't give up on Kelly entirely. Yeah, I don't really get the Varsho hype. I mean, he's an interesting, unique prospect at this position given the speed. Forty-seven steals in two hundred forty-one minor league games. Uh, 21 steals in 108 games at the double-A level in 2019 with a 301 average and 899 OPS. I get all that. I get the offensive profile. It all screams big-time fantasy upside. But we're talking about, like, standard redraft leagues. And is he even going to make the opening day roster? I I don't think it's assured, especially because the Diamondbacks signed as Drupal Cabrera, probably pushing Cattell Marte to center field, which is where, you know, some people thought Varsho could play. So if he's not going to be a regular in that outfield, uh, you know, they have Cole Calhoun, David Peralta there. Like, where is he going to play? And they also, yeah, they owe some money to Steven Vogt, uh, like to be the backup to Carson Kelly. Um, And they're not going to be competitive in the NL West. Uh, So I think they're going to put him back in the minors for a bit because, you know, he hasn't had any AAA experience. And it does help the cause that he can play some outfield, even some center, which just it's crazy athleticism for a guy who's eligible at catcher. But in a standard 12-team fantasy league, a, a standard 12-team draft, I'll probably let someone else you – know, what, are you going to hold a catcher who's not even in the majors on your roster? Right. Like, um, 
I, I get the long-term profile there and, and hopefully he, he can, or he does stick at the catcher position or at least has eligibility there, but I'm pretty much out for this year, at least at the start of the year. I, I can't imagine drafting him high or really even drafting him at all. Uh, maybe I'll yeah. draft him late and like hope he makes the opening day roster, but I don't, I don't think he's going to. Yeah. I have Varsho 20. I have Alejandro Kirk at 21. And those are just like the guys that I'm like, if they get a shot, yeah, they could do something, but I, I'm not going to bank on them at the start of the year. Yep. Um, who else do I have up here? Uh, I've gone through a lot of Tom Murphy. I had at 20 missed all of 2020. Yeah. After fracturing his left foot during summer camp or like spring training 2.0, had a really good 2019, 858 OPS, 18 home runs in 75 games. But I don't know, a career 710 OPS before that. That was while taking half his at bats at Coors Field, too. Um, now, now with the Mariners, turns 30 years old in, in early April. I'm not really sold. I He wouldn't be the worst second catcher, maybe, in a two catcher league, but. I also think he's going to share some time in Seattle with Luis Torrens, um, who was acquired last summer from the Padres in that Austin Nola trade. So that hits the ball hard. Yeah. Torrens. Yep. I I think actually Torrens from prospect evaluators that I respect, they really like him long-term. So I don't know. Murphy might have gotten jumped there after he fractured his foot. Elias Diaz, uh, probably the new primary catcher in Colorado. So just naturally some interest. Uh, flash decent power at times with the pirates, but I, I would say the jury is still out on him. And then just rounding out my top 25, I, Wilson Ramos, Jan Gomes and Ryan Jeffers at 25. I had Pedro Severino at 24 and, and you know, he's kind of a placeholder for, and I'm repping my, my home state of Maryland here uh, for Adley Rushman, the top prospect catcher of the Orioles. And I'm not going to, I don't want you to think I'm drinking again, Drew. <laughs> I'm not going to say he's coming up in April. Uh, but do you think we see him this year? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, the thing about the Torkelson comment, <laughs> we don't need to get in. They we're trying to keep these podcasts evergreen. I, I, sw- I swear you said he would be up early in the season. I don't even know what I said. Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. Did you hear what happened with Torkelson uh, this week? Yeah, he was like trying to open a can with a makeshift can opener. What what does that yes. even mean? I don't know. I think he had a, like a, a Swiss Army knife or something. Yeah, I've done that too. It, yeah, L- living the bachelor life, sometimes you don't have a can opener. Right. Okay. But he'll he's a, be okay. It's just a little cut on his hand. But Adley Rushman, I I I don't know. I, with the Orioles, like why would them, dude? They're so into tanking. Why would they start the clock? It took them forever to even bring up Ryan Mountcastle, who probably yep. should have been up like a year before he was. So I don't know. I think it would be really awesome, but I I have my doubts. Is I he really part do. of their seventy-five man spring training roster? I, I don't would imagine so, but I'm I would really too. But sure. I feel like we haven't heard anything about that. I don't know. I'm not sure, but I I think it could happen. But it's not one of those things I'm going to bank on. But Whenever he does come up, you know, switch hitting catcher, yeah. excellent plate discipline, probably, you know, 20 plus homer power in Camden Yards, you know, someone to be legitimately excited about. I know there was like when Matt Weeders came up, there was like the Matt Weeders facts and he was going to be like the savior for the franchise and it didn't really work out another switch hitting catcher. Uh, but, you know, from all accounts, like he's the real deal, and I'm I'm super excited about seeing him in the majors at some point. Yeah, me too. Did we cover everyone? Uh, uh, 
all that's worth talking about, I think. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that does uh, complete our, our catcher episode here, previewing the, the 2021 season. So uh, later this week, we will get into pitchers. We will talk about starting pitchers, and then we will talk about relievers. So stay tuned for that. Again, you can go back in our archives to hear everything we've talked about so far during this series so uh definitely check that out and if you like what you're hearing with this show uh make sure to to subscribe to this show circling the bases uh, also rate and review if you don't mind we definitely would appreciate that uh follow us on twitter if you don't already i'm at dj short drew is at drew Silve. take care and we'll see you next time Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.